That music begins the banquet scene of Verdi's Macbeth. Hello, this is Sir Andrew Davis, Music Director of Lyric Opera of Chicago, and I want to welcome you to another banquet, our 2010-11 season. It's full of the terrific productions and artists that you expect from Lyric. The repertoire is very exciting, and I'd like to take a few moments to bring you some of the highlights. At Lyric, we pride ourselves on presenting remarkable productions of operas by the mighty Giuseppe Verdi. Opening this season will be a thrilling new production of Macbeth. William Shakespeare was Verdi's hero, and Macbeth is the greatest work of Verdi's early career. There's dramatic excitement aplenty, as Lady Macbeth, the noblewoman consumed by a desire for power, pushes her husband into pursuing a deadly path to the throne of Scotland. And here's Macbeth himself. He becomes king through murder, and when the ghost of one of his victims comes back to haunt him, he's beside himself with fear and horror. Of course, Macbeth and his lady both meet an unfortunate but well-deserved end, as the people of Scotland ultimately overcome the rule of a tyrant. We're presenting another thrilling Verdi work this season, an opera from his glorious middle period. It's a masked ball, the story of another monarch, but this time an exceedingly likeable one, the noble Gustavo, King of Sweden. The die is cast when a fortune teller predicts that Gustavo will be killed by the next person to shake his hand. That man turns out to be his best friend, Renato. What Renato doesn't know is that his own wife, Amelia, and Gustavo are secretly in love. Verdi gives them the most magnificent love duet he ever composed. Gustavo's love for Amelia is discovered, and the dire prediction comes true. Renato assassinates Gustavo at a masked ball. Just as popular as Verdi at Lyric Opera is Giacomo Puccini, and this season we're presenting one of his most captivating operas, The Girl of the Golden West. In Gold Rush, California, the notorious bandit Ramirez takes a shine to a saloon keeper, Minnie, the young woman whom all the miners want to marry. Here's Ramirez, 
singing to Minnie in soaring phrases that Andrew Lloyd Webber would later appropriate in Phantom of the Opera. Ramirez is shot, and when he's discovered in Minnie's cabin trying to escape from the sheriff, Minnie gambles to save the life of the man she loves. By very cleverly cheating, she beats the sheriff at poker. But Ramirez is eventually apprehended, and when he's about to be hanged, Minnie comes to his rescue. In a stirring finale, she convinces the sheriff and the miners that they owe her the bandit's life. Opera's most famous femme fatale is the one and only Carmen, in the masterpiece of that name by Georges Bizet. This Frenchman was brilliant in the way he managed to capture an irresistible Spanish atmosphere. Within it, Carmen works her seductive magic on any man she chooses. In Act One, the man Carmen wants is the corporal, Don José. She's been arrested and he's going to escort her to prison. He lets her go and winds up going to prison in her place. But in Act Two, she becomes interested in a new man, the bullfighter Escamillo. This macho matador introduces himself to her and to us with one of the most popular arias ever composed. Don José, who has given up everything to follow Carmen and her smuggler friends, is eventually overcome by jealousy, and that seals Carmen's fate. That very familiar melody was actually written by Richard Wagner. It figures prominently in Lohengrin, which is making its long-awaited return to lyric. This is a tale of medieval romance and supernatural mystery, brought to life by one of Wagner's most magnificent scores. Elsa of Brabant is a young noblewoman, falsely accused of murdering her brother. She dreams of a brave knight who will come to her aid. Miraculously, the knight does come, arriving in a boat drawn by a swan. 
he's ready to serve Germany's King Henry and to love and protect Elsa. Lohengrin insists on only one thing. Elsa can't ask him his name or his origin. If she does, disaster will strike. A major problem is Ortrud, opera's most despicable villainess, who's trying to awaken suspicion about Lohengrin in Elsa's mind. What happens to courageous Lohengrin, sweet Elsa and nasty Ortrud? You'll just have to come to a performance to find out. I'm delighted that for the first time in lyrics history, we're presenting three works in English composed in three different centuries. The earliest of those works is Hercules, by one of the greatest glories of the Baroque era, George Frederick Handel. It's full of great drama and fabulous music. The super macho title character is the hero we know well from Greek mythology. Despite the title, this work's central figure is actually Hercules' wife, Dejanira. When first seen, she's suffering because Hercules has been away at war for quite some time. She's convinced that he's been killed in battle. Dejanira imagines the bliss and love Hercules is enjoying in the afterlife. When Hercules does finally return, he's escorting a beautiful captive princess, and he's in love with her. Dejanira believes he's been unfaithful, but she gives him a gift, hoping it will draw Hercules back to her. What she doesn't know is that the gift is fatally poisoned. When Dejanira realizes that her husband has died because of her, guilt leads her into one of opera's greatest and most hair-raising mad scenes. And there's more to enjoy in English during Lyric's 2010-11 season. For the first time in nearly a decade, we're returning to the music of England's greatest operatic composer, Benjamin Britten. Shakespeare's most beloved comedy, A Midsummer Night's Dream, inspired Britten to create a masterpiece. In this opera, I especially enjoy the way the characters are brought to life by Britten through their very different music. Here's Bottom, the weaver. Let him roar 
And there are the two pairs of young lovers who go through all manner of difficulties in the forest before their final ecstatic reconciliation. You'll also enjoy the most popular work of Gilbert and Sullivan, the Mikado, which transports us to the fictional town of Titipu in Japan, where amorous intrigues abound. There's Coco, the humble tailor, who's suddenly been appointed Lord High Executioner. Now, in his new role, he's got to figure out who he's going to execute. I've got a little list, I've got a little list of society offenders who might well be underground and who never would be missed, who never would be missed. Coco is about to marry his ward, Yum Yum, who's one of three little maids from school. Three little maids from school, three little maids from school, three little maids who all are married, come from a lady's seminary, three from a genius to Tulare. Three little maids from school, three little maids from school. But Yum Yum is in love with a wandering minstrel, Nanki Poo. He's run away from the palace of his father, the formidable Mikado of Japan. The Mikado wants his son to marry a battle-axe of a noblewoman called Katisha. When we finally meet the Mikado, it's clear that he's a very tough customer indeed. My optical sublime, I shall achieve in time To let the punishment fit the crime, the punishment fit the crime And make each prisoner pant, unwillingly represent A source of innocent merriment, of innocent merriment In the end, after all manner of complications, poor Coco is stuck with Katisha. But Yum Yum and Nanki Poo do live happily ever after. In the words of the finale of the Mikado, with joyous shout and ringing cheer, we welcome you to the 2010-11 season of Lyric Opera of Chicago. We're thrilled to bring you eight spectacular productions, and we look forward to seeing you at the opera. The recordings heard here are used courtesy of EMI Classics.